You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast, your number one source for everything hunting, shooting, fishing, and a little bit of politics. Sit back and relax as we interview some of the most experienced outdoorsmen in the industry today, where you'll learn valuable tips and tricks to make you a more successful hunter, shooter, and fisherman. Here's your host of the Australian Hunting Podcast, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Jason Selms, and this is episode 21, Coalition Against Duck Shootings, Laurie Levy. Well, guys, welcome back again. This is the June Podcast 2012, and I'm glad to bring you an exciting, long podcast for June 2012. Uh, It's going to be really exciting. I hope you folks get a lot out of this podcast. Now, I will give you a bit of a heads up, too. I mean, I do appreciate Laurie coming onto my show uh, to discuss, you know, duck shooting not only around Australia but especially in Victoria. And uh, there were several things that were said in the podcast. Uh, Laurie was obviously very professional, you know, and I appreciate that. Um, it was great to have him on. But there were a few things that I noticed during the podcast that didn't sort of make sense to me. And now I've had a chance to reflect. I'll give you a few examples. Uh, in this podcast, he says that uh, people like Michael Diamond and Russell Mark actually aren't duck shooters and don't condone basically duck shooting. Now, in the first three to five minutes of my podcast for episode nine with Russell Mark, the Olympic double trap gold medalist, he says he still goes to this day and duck shoots, and you can listen to that in the first 10 minutes of episode nine with Russell Mark. So I don't know where during that period uh, he was getting his information from because you know clearly uh, he didn't do the necessary checks before making that statement. Uh, other ones, uh, some interesting stuff in the podcast. I basically said, you know, do they think it's okay to break the law? And basically their answer is yes, it's an unjust political law. And, and they basically condone breaking the law. Uh, in 2012, Laurie was uh, arrested for protesting. And uh, as far as I'm aware, there was no hunters that were actually prosecuted uh, so far this season. Uh, Laurie says there were a number of people doing a lot of things wrong and the DPI were there. But uh, no one seemed to be arrested. And the only people that were arrested and were given criminal records were people... Uh, were the coalition against duck shooting or general protesters for either getting in the water prior to designated times or doing the wrong thing. Uh, and no shooter, so it makes me believe that uh, the DPI were there and no hunters were charged. I mean, hunters weren't doing anything wrong. So quite interesting stuff there. But uh, also he stated that uh, he'd be okay with an Olympic standard of shooters to be able to duck hunt. Now, he did say that Russell Mark uh, and Michael Diamond uh, would be up to the standard. But then he also said that if, if, let's say, hunters, they'd have to hit, if let's say the example was 200 targets, they'd have to hit 200 targets. Now, even clay shooters like Michael Diamond Russell Mark, Adam Vetter, even some of the ladies don't hit 200 targets every time they shoot. So basically what he's saying is even an Olympic standard athlete such as Russell Mark, Michael Diamond, etc. wouldn't even be up to the standard to even be able to shoot ducks, which is what he's agreeing to. So definitely some interesting stuff there. Uh, he also said some uh, the money coming into certain areas like Donald uh, in Victoria and some of these small towns that duck shooters have been coming to for, for you know, 20, 20, yeah, 20 and 30 and 40 years uh, duck hunting. He basically says there's more money in photography and getting families out there on these uh, nature reserves and wetlands. Um, there's more money in basically that. But you know, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but even me going to state forests and areas of nature reserves, I mean, I never see anybody there. In 10 years, I've never seen a single person taking photos. Now, I'm not going to say it doesn't happen, 
But I think definitely shooters throughout the duck season would bring in a lot more money than people taking their families out to wetlands. I mean, I've never seen it happen. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I'm certainly saying there's a lot more money uh, that's brought into the communities from shooting than, say, you know, photo recreation, that's for sure. But um, I hope you guys enjoy this one. This is a massive one for June 2012. I certainly enjoy doing it. I let Laurie have his say. Um, I want to be professional and keep everything just the way it should be because this is a professional podcast and I, I, I actually myself wanted to hear what he had to say and just you know, get the word out there on what exactly they have against duck shooting. So I'll get because this is a long podcast, I'm just going to get straight on my soapbox and say don't forget, jump on the Australian Hunting uh, Podcast Facebook page, uh, AH Podcast on Twitter, jump on there, photos, videos, love to see them, come and join in and uh, the best place to get the podcast is on iTunes. So you can log into iTunes, download it automatically to your iPhone, your iPad, all that goodness and listen to it in your car or with your headphones, wherever you like, wherever you are in the world. So jump on iTunes, rate us, subscribe, five stars, leave a comment that gives us more exposure. So... I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you realize I tried to represent uh, hunters and shooters in the best light. And uh, hopefully you get a lot out of this and uh, I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, let's get into episode 21 with Coalition Against Duck Shooting's Laurie Levy. Hi, this is Russell Mark, Olympic gold medalist. You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. All right, Laurie Levy, uh, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today to talk to us about duck shooting. Thank you very much, Jason. It's a pleasure being here. No worries. Thank you very much. I guess, so I guess, Laurie, I guess let's say some people out there don't know who you are. Can you just tell, I guess, my listeners just a little bit about yourself and I guess about your background, especially obviously in relation to duck hunting uh, in Victoria? Well, a background, uh, uh, I'm a television, ex-television cameraman, and uh, then I fought a battle during the 1970s um, to have whales protected in Australian waters. Then we went on to, we started rescuing stranded whales in the early 1980s and within three years we'd uh, been able to set up a national and state whale rescue programs where, you know, today we've become redundant, which is fantastic. And you know, if one whale or a hundred whales beach anywhere in Australia, state governments go into action and hundreds uh, of people turn up to help uh, uh, get those whales back out to sea again. And uh, in, in 1985, I became concerned about the treatment, the brutal treatment that native water birds received during duck shooting season. So in 1986, we put a small team of 15 rescuers together to go out in Victoria onto the wetlands to challenge 95,000 duck shooters. Uh, and um, the campaign took off, uh, obviously, and you might say, well, how can 15 people ever be effective against you know, 95,000 duck shooters? And that, that's really because all the media came out with us and those stories went out right throughout Victoria and not only right throughout this state, but right throughout Australia. And, of course, the campaign took off and uh, there have been a lot of changes over the last 25 years. 
So how, I guess I, I guess you just you just tackled that. How was it formed? Was it just you know just, just yourself? Was it a few other people that just got together one day and said you know we need we need to do something about this? Or how was it how was it formed? Yeah, I think you just summed it up, Jason. Uh, uh, I, I said to a few people we need to do something about this. Now duck shooting was always about shooting and wounding or or killing native water birds. So we did the opposite. We when we went out there, we took out a mobile veterinary clinic with us. And for the first time ever, uh, wounded birds were brought out and they were taken back to the mobile veterinary clinic where they received the best uh, veterinary care possible uh, on the wetlands. And we also brought out illegally shot water birds to uh, protected water birds to, to highlight to the public uh, and the government that uh, protected species and threatened species were being illegally shot. Okay, so ha- how long has, say, CADS been advocating for uh, duck shooting in Victoria? Well, we started the campaign in 1986. Uh, in 1990, we went across to Western Australia and helped the local teams fight the issue over there. And in September that year, Premier Carmen Lawrence put out a media release, uh, it was on the 3rd of September, saying that uh, the recreational shooting of native water birds in WA would be banned, and, and mainly because uh, of the cruelty, and, and also that the recreational shooting of native water birds was no longer acceptable in the 1990s. And then in 1995, uh, Bob Carr in New South Wales banned the activity. And then in 2005, Peter Beatty in Queensland banned duck shooting. And in doing so, he said that, that uh, Queensland was now the smart state for looking after its native water birds. So where are we in Victoria? Well, the numbers of duck shooters in Victoria have declined by 80,000 over the last 25 years. So duck shooting is still going at the moment, but public opinion is opposed to it. It is being supported by the politicians in the Liberal, Labor and National Parties. So the fight continues, Jason. Okay, no worries. Uh, how many how many CADs, I guess, activists represent your cause currently during the season each year and how do they participate and how often? Well, when we first started, as I said, we had 15 rescuers. That built up the next year to 150, and after that we were taking out four to 500 rescuers. But we found that was too many. It, obviously, it's uh, extremely dangerous on the wetlands. We've always been concerned about safety, and we've always instilled uh, the dangers of being out there uh, amongst our rescuers. And, and um, our rescuers uh, have always been really concerned about safety, and uh, in 2011, uh, of course, a rescuer was shot in the face and she was extremely lucky that she wasn't blinded. Um, so to, uh, to, 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 to combat that, we um, managed to get ourselves uh, the best ballistic safety goggles that we could uh, in the lead up to the 2012 duck shooting season. And at first we thought we'd probably have to settle for industrial eyewear, safety eyewear. But we were able to get the same goggles 
the Australian troops use in Afghanistan. And we figured if these goggles were good enough for the, for the Australian troops to use against the Taliban in Afghanistan, they were good enough for our rescuers to be out there on the wetlands with duck shooters. Do you have any, obviously you said you know, back you know, many years ago you were obviously advocating for the whales. Do you have any, any affiliations to any other, say, you know, I guess, what was it, animal rights or activist groups, etc. currently? Or? Well, I don't see the duck shooting issue as being, or the whale issue as being an animal rights issue. It, it was purely a whale issue that whales needed help. And when you see something or someone or other species in trouble... Uh, I've always believed you go in and you help people or or animals, and the whales needed tr- uh, needed help at the time, and we gave them that help. Um, with water birds, uh, these water birds are part of Australia's heritage, and they needed help. I mean, the brutality that's inflicted on native water birds uh, during the duck shooting season, Jason, is absolutely horrific, and especially in this day and age in the 21st century. It, you know, the way I see it, it's one of those issues that really belongs in the 1950s. Uh, there's been too much awareness over the last 25 years for it to keep going. And, you, you know, when you see birds being blown out of the sky and you hear hunters cheering and laughing... Uh, rescuers are the complete opposite. Rescuers are out there because they feel for those water birds. They feel the pain that those water birds suffer. And it's very traumatic for, for a lot of our rescuers. And, you know, new rescuers coming out for the first time uh, are often traumatised by what they see out there. And uh, um, some don't come out again but others become totally committed to the cause because of, of, of that suffering that our native water, water birds are forced to go through just so recreational shooters can have a bit of fun out there. Yeah, is it just native, say, water birds that obviously is the issue? What about, say, um, obviously the hunting and shooting of some of the, the feral species, you know, foxes, obviously pigs, etc. Is that an issue to CADS or is it just mainly, obviously, the native water birds? No, I, in fact, I support um, the shooters in the shooting of feral animals, as long as it's done obviously, uh, humanely. Exactly, yep. We support that because... Feral animals uh, uh, like foxes and, and feral cats yep. uh, cause uh, uh, t- take a huge number of native wildlife out there. So, so we we support the the uh, the humane shooting of feral animals, and, and we have no argument with that. No, that's fine. It's just some, you know, obviously, you know, sometimes you read there's the Facebook pages and just things out there. You know, a lot of people have different ideas about you know firearms ownership in Australia. And I just wanted to just just confer with you whether it was a, a firearms issue. A lot of people are unfortunately anti-gun and anti-firearm, and not not all not all shooters are hunters either. So I just wanted to find out what your uh, what your uh, opinions were on that. Well, look, clay target shooting is a, an Olympic uh, sport, and and. Uh, you, you know, two of our early gold medal winners, Russell Mark and Michael Diamond, um, who won gold in Atlanta in 1996. Uh, they're not duck shooters. Um, I, I, I know uh, Michael Diamond uh, looks after native, injured native water birds from time to time. Um, they wouldn't shoot native water birds. So, you, you know, you can be a, 
an Olympic shooter, an Olympic gold medal uh, winner, but you don't have to shoot native water birds. And that, that's the great thing. And we, we support uh, clay target shooting. Yeah, no, that's fine. I just wanted to get your just your, your thoughts and opinions on it. That was all because there seemed to be a lot of different ideas on the Facebook page amongst just you know the general public, and then you know there's you know, yeah, it's just just interesting to find out your your thoughts on that because I'm not sure that's ever been discussed before. And this this is purely a native water bird issue. Once once duck shooting is banned, Jason, then I retire and I'm off the shooter's back. So uh, wow. the sooner that happens, the better. <laughs> okay, that, wow, that's interesting. That's, that's fine, yeah. Okay, so it's, it's compulsory, I guess, for you know, all hunters to complete the uh, WIT test, which you'd obviously be you know, uh, familiar with, the waterfowl identification test, prior to obviously hunting on any, any wetlands or hunting ducks at all, period. So I'm wondering how many members of CADS have completed the course and can accurately identify, say, a waterfowl species that's being shot. Well, I can't tell exactly how many, but a lot of our rescuers do have their gun licences and they have completed the waterfowl identification test. Um, um, now, now, with new rescuers who probably don't know the, the species uh, that well, um, it doesn't really matter because they're not shooting them. Their, their role is just to pick up and help wounded birds. But, of course, they only have to be out there on one occasion and they really really know their their bird species by the end of the day and uh, you know the great thing is that we have uh, vets on the on the wetlands and any wounded birds Jason go straight back out to the mobile veterinary clinics where they they're treated on the spot if their injuries are, uh, are serious they then come back to Melbourne where the birds are x-rayed and operated on and They'll stay with wildlife carers uh, until they can be released. Some birds, of course, do have to be uh, euthanised uh, uh, on the spot because their their injuries are so serious. So it just depends. But we had a over Easter, we had a, a rescue team uh, out at Bull Oak and we had another rescue team up at Yarrawonga and they brought out uh, uh, a wounded wood duck which was bleeding from the... From the bill, uh, from the mouth, and and uh, you know, rescuers thought that it would have to be euthanized. They took it back to a vet, and uh, that bird was fine. It, it had uh, two pellets in it, uh, which were close to the surface, and um, it, it was able to be released onto a private dam during its rehabilitation over the next week. So. You can't really tell when you pick up a bird how seriously wounded it is until you get that veterinary advice. Okay, so yeah, just getting back on one of the points you just brought up before, so about obviously protesters. So you, you do, in obviously your protesters, have firearms owners and, and gun license holders that actually advocate against uh, hunting of native water birds. Uh, yes, um, we, we, we've often, and, and we're not protesters, by the way. Right. We, we, we see our role as, as being rescuers. Rescue, okay, we, right. We've always seen our role as being similar to the Red Cross. We go into a war zone to help the innocent victims. Now, we've always had uh, uh, licensed uh, 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 gun owners out there with us, the, the gun owners who don't shoot native water birds but are clay target shooters. They've often been part of our rescue team. And, um, you, you know, a Morgan poll that was conducted in October uh, 2007 showed that 
three out of four Victorians want the recreational shooting of native water birds banned. And uh, and we'll keep fighting, Jason, until it is banned. Okay, so I guess uh, in saying, obviously, you said, that, you know, obviously New South Wales, WA, uh, Queensland, obviously haven't either declared a season for obviously many years, I think since New South Wales, since probably 94, 95, I was of 96. Um, why do you think, I guess, Victoria hasn't, hasn't done so? What, what is in Victoria that's obviously, you know, preventing them from doing that if it's obviously, as you said, been, um, uh, or there's no, been no decisions declared in, say, yes, yeah, Queensland, New South Wales or WA? Well, Victoria was always the capital for duck shooting. Uh, Victoria had more duck shooters than all the other states combined. Um, as I said before, the DSE figures in 1986 estimated there were 95,000 duck shooters in Victoria. Ted Drain, or the late Ted Drain from the Sporting Shooters Association, always believed there were 130,000 duck shooters in Victoria. Um, so we had more wetlands. We, there were about 20,000 wetlands in Victoria, so there were more duck shooters. And, and I think probably the shooting organisations were a lot stronger in those days than what they were in other states. When, when Western Australia banned the activity, there were only about 1,000 duck shooters over there. In New South Wales, when we first started, there were 12,500 duck shooters in New South Wales. And by the time it was banned, I think their numbers were down to about three or 4,000. And, uh, and, you know, when, when Bob Carr banned the activity in New South Wales, the, the field and game of sporting shooters jumped up and down and they said they were going to get rid of Bob Carr, they were going to knock him out of office. Well, you know, the, 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 the objection lasted for about two weeks. Bob Carr was in office for the next 10 years before he retired undefeated. So, you, you know, it, it, it was a... It was a very positive move to ban the activity and it was a very popular move with the general public and once duck shooting is banned in Victoria the state government can then introduce nature-based wetlands tourism to Victoria and that's where the money is there are about a hundred million bird watchers overseas in Europe Asia England America and especially China these days and Victoria could be a hub with, with, with all of our beautiful wetlands, our Ramsar wetlands, our other wetlands, Victoria, country towns like Kerrang, Donald, Geelong, Gippsland could all be the hub of a nature-based wetlands tourism industry. Yeah, do, do you think, obviously, you know, like especially say like Donald, the area of Donald, do you think you know, hunters coming in and bringing in money, uh, do, you, do you think bird watching and those type of activities would bring in... Yeah, more money than like for those local areas. Obviously, you can understand it is important to you know have things going on in these areas and taking things out of that area is not also good for those areas money-wise and for the economy either. Uh, look, when, when probably during the 1970s and 80s, if you look at Donald, for instance, the yep. town of Donald where Lake Bull Lake yep. is. Um, it, it, when we first started, we we we, we first started going to Lake Bull Lake. Uh, 1989 was the first year we were there and there were 10,000 duck shooters on Lake Bull Oak on the opening morning of the duck shooting season, the 
duck shooting season. So obviously in those days, um, shooters would have spent money because there were a lot of them. Course, yeah. And towns would have, you know, would have benefited by it. Uh, I, I can remember a story that went to air on Channel 9 in 1988 on the Friday night before the opening of the duck shooting season. And the publican said that he had sold $10,000 worth of beer on the Friday before the opening. Now, what's changed, Jason, is last year in 2011, you didn't have 10,000 duck shooters on Lake Bulloak. You had 400. Uh, this year, probably about 700. So the, the, the old days have gone in Victoria. The, the, the numbers where you had a, you know, somewhere around 95, 100,000 duck shooters in this state have long gone. Uh, you know, there are 20,000 licensed duck shooters, but not all of them go out. So... Uh, a publican in Kerrang was interviewed a couple of years ago by by the ABC, an ABC journalist, and, and she asked him whether or not uh, uh, duck shooting was important to the town. And he said, look, years ago, yes, we made money. These days, it doesn't matter whether a season goes ahead or not because there's no money in it for the town. And And this year... You know, last year there were 400 shooters only in, on Lake Bull Lake for the opening and yep. very few for the rest of the season. And it's the same this year, Jason. There were 700 or so there on the opening weekend and the second weekend we went up to Bull Lake, there were two shooters there. How do you gauge how many sort of are there? Are you, I mean, is it are you guys there? I mean, are you guys there every uh, every day or every week over the season? What's normally like? How often do you normally go out? Is it just just for opening weekend? No, we're out every weekend. We have teams out every weekend of the duck shooting season. Easter for us in the 1980s was as big as the opening weekend. When we used to go back to Bullock, for as an example in the late 1980s, early 1990s, you would have 8,000 duck shooters over Easter at Lake Bullock. This year, 25. And that's where the change has come about. Now, if you look at Phillip Island and the penguins, those penguins bring in 200 or so million dollars each year to Victoria. And and the, Phillip Island was a a vision of um, John Kane when he was Premier. Uh, and, and the Labor government in those days bought back a lot of the land because a lot of the housing had sprung up around Phillip Island. People had cats and dogs and, and most of the penguins had, had disappeared because of the... Um, the was, was that your, your, your Herald Sun interview? I think I, think I remember it was your Herald Sun interview where it stated that if if duck hunting was been, we'd probably get an increase of people going to see the penguins on Phillip Island. Was that correct? No, the, the, no, the, the um, uh, the, the, that 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 the last line of that interview uh, ha- had been edited because it was too long and it didn't make sense. What what I'd said to the to the Herald Sun in in that last line was that once duck shooting comes to an end in Victoria all of our wetlands could be opened up to nature-based wetlands tourism, bringing the same sort of money uh, into country towns that the penguins at Phillip Island and the whales at Warrnambool earn Victoria 
each year. Now, let's say Lake Blake, as you said before, like you're only getting so many hunters there. What about other wetlands hunters are going on? Do you guys only, um, as you said, rescue or uh, yeah, at, the, at, at Lake Bloke, or are you, are you going to other wetlands as well? Um, what about as in duck shooters on private land too that can't be accounted for? Um, we, we, you don't have large numbers of birds on, on private land. I mean, in the old days, uh, you know, in the 1980s, there were a lot more birds around Victoria. Um, it, in the old days, you know, around 1989, 1990, you, you would go to Lake Cullen and there'd be 50,000 birds on it. You'd, in, in the surveys leading up to the opening, you'd go to Bull Oak, there'd be 100,000 birds on it. You'd go to other wetlands and they would have 20, 30,000 birds on we, we don't see those bird numbers anymore. And in fact, you, you know, the government this year, when they announced the duck shooting season, was saying, was trying to talk it up, and they were using a lot of spin by saying this would be the best year for shooters ever. Well, birds are breeding again after the 13-year drought a lot, right down the East Coast. But there wasn't a great deal of breeding in Victoria. The breeding that... Professor Richard Kingsford was talking about was happening up in northern Queensland, not down here in Victoria. Was that because of the obviously, obviously, yeah, we had great rains, great rainfalls, uh, obviously in Australia. Would that have pushed, as I said, the birds north and west as well, due to just yeah, fantastic rainfall? Uh, it, it would have, but but after 13 years of drought, native water birds, Jason, don't breed in the bad times. So their numbers by the end of the drought, right, right across eastern Australia, were down by 80%. They needed a few years to breathe up again when the rains came. They were never given that chance. And we, we did our surveys in, in January and February this year out on Victoria's wetlands. And we were, after what Peter Walsh, the minister, was saying, that there were... Um, it would be Victoria's shooter's best season, you know, ever since the 1980s. Uh, the Deputy Premier, Peter Ryan, um, lived up to his reputation as the politician who knows nothing when he said, uh, he, he said that uh, uh, these ducks are flying in flocks of thousands upon thousands over Victoria at the moment. Well, when we did our surveys, we couldn't find birds. We, we went up to the Kerrang region, the Kerrang wetlands. We went down to Bull Oak, and the only birds we saw at Bull Oak were on the northern end, which was the floodplain, and uh, uh, there weren't that many birds overall. And I was surprised that right up until the day before the opening of the duck shooting season, the minister, Peter Walsh, was continuing to say to the media that there were there were birds out there. It would be the shooter's best best opening season for the for you know for since 1983. And and I, I reckon they were conning the shooters as well by trying to talk it up because according to the Department of Sustainability and Environment on the opening morning of the duck shooting season, the figures for right around Victoria they said that shooters only averaged one bird each.
Is that is that on their website or something? We can look up that information, or uh, well, we were told that by DSNE. I haven't looked at their okay. website, but it might be on there. But even why, why would the government tell people there's large numbers if they if according to I said CADS that there isn't? Why would they do that? Well, I think it's in the interest of the national. See, see what Bowyer has done. He's put the national party in charge of the duck shooting season, and he's also put the Department of Primary Industries in charge of the duck shooting season. And they've established a new department within the DPI called Game Victoria. And all the duck shooters who used to be in the Department of Sustainability have moved across to that new unit, Game Victoria, which is a huge conflict of interest because now you've got duck shooters actually running the duck shooting season. And as I've said, it's a bit like value putting arsonists and pyromaniacs in charge of the country fire authority. So it was in the interest of the National Party to try and talk up duck shooting, to try and make it a recreational activity as big as recreational fishing is. But it's not going to work because I think there are about 700,000 fishers in Victoria. But Duck shooting is unpopular with the public. So duck shooting will never take off. And there were very few duck shooters really on the opening weekend. And there have been very few duck shooters out right through the season. Okay, so what, I guess, what has it made, made it so rewarding and worthwhile to, to keep going for all these years when you know, change has not yet occurred in Victoria? Well, change has occurred in Victoria. There, there are at least 80,000 less duck shooters. The, the other things that we had in the early days, we, had, we, we saw changes made. We, we were partly responsible for the waterfowl identification test being brought in. And also, we also highlighted the problem of lead shot. And during the 1980s, during the 1980s, duck shooters in Victoria fired 350 tonnes of lead shot into Victoria's wetlands every duck shooting season. And those figures came from the Department of Sustainability and Environment. Now, if you can imagine, Jason, how many lead pellets make up 350 tonnes. Yet water birds were ingesting those uh, spent lead shots when they were feeding after the duck shooting season and birds were dying from chronic lead poisoning. And by bringing out birds, all the dead birds that we brought out, all the illegally shot protected species, um, they were all x-rayed. And because of that, the Department of Sustainability found out that one swan in 1988 that came from Lake, Lake Bort, when it was x-rayed, it showed it had 220 lead pellets in its gizzard. Yet it only takes one lead pellet to be ground down in the bird's gizzard and that bird will die from chronic lead poisoning. The following year, all the bluebill and musk duck we brought out, and bluebills are a, a rare species, protected, musk duck are protected. Um, when they were x-rayed, they found uh, those birds had 80 lead pellets in their gizzard. So lead was a major problem. In 1990, the Department of Sustainability did a study and found that lead was a major problem in our wetlands to native water birds and recommended a ban. But Field and Game opposed it and uh, 
it was another eight years before lead shot was finally banned. Okay, so just talking about field and game, hunters uh, through such organisations have fielded game and invested thousands of dollars and obviously a lot of man hours building nesting boxes, cleaning and reclaiming, improving swampland uh, and restoring them to, to some of their natural conditions. What initiative has, uh, sorry, what initiatives has CADS developed uh, to protect the environment, help native waterbird besides their, as you said, projects or, or rescuing activities? Well, rescuing activities has yep. helped native waterbirds. Having the recreational shooting of native waterbirds banned in three states has helped native waterbirds. Reducing the numbers of duck shootings in Victoria has helped native waterbirds because there are 80,000 less duck shooters now than when we started. Uh, having lead shot banned and pushing that issue uh, has helped native waterbirds, although there's so much lead in Victoria's wetlands that uh, scientists say that waterbirds will continue to die from lead poisoning for the next 100 years or so. So once that lead is in the environment, you can't get it out, but you, at least they're not pumping more lead shot into Victoria's wetlands. So, so our role, our role in, and also native waterbirds in 19, up to 1986 were considered just something to be shot. They had no value. And when you're shooting something and brutalising it, uh, that victim doesn't have any value. By rescuers going out there and helping those birds changed public opinion. It brought the plight of those waterbirds to the public. And... Uh, uh, you know, I always said in the early days of our campaign, Jason, there were two images that the public saw on their television screens at night. One of a duck shooter dressed up as a soldier in camouflage gear, and in those days they used to use semi-automatic and pump action shotguns out there, and they were shooting down a small defenceless bird. The other image the public saw was a rescuer coming out with a wounded bird, now that one, that second image, that one of kindness and compassion, compassion to those birds will always win the hearts and minds of the Victorian public over an act of violence. And that's the problem the shooters have today still. Okay, so I guess this is probably, probably does lead into my next question actually. Let's say there was a zero wounding rate and all ducks were taken for say a meat consumption to put on the table. Would you still believe duck hunting was barbaric if it said there was zero wounding rate and all animals were taken for meat consumption? You can't have a zero wounding rate because shotguns don't allow for that. Shotguns are in precise instruments. Uh, and, and we work off uh, Tom Roster's figures that one in four birds shot will be wounded and, and fly away wounded. And was that, was that a study done in 1979 and 1980? Uh, yeah, and, and because he did use the the steel shot, and again, obviously chokes and and shotguns etc have come a long way in the last twenty years. And actually, he did say anyway, one in four birds, but also that goes on to say, um, uh, well, only a few years ago he told American duck hunters, and 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 let, let's face it, Tom Tom Roster is not a greenie. Tom Tom Roster is a ballistics expert, and he's also a duck shooter. That's right. He did contain the lethality table as well, etc., and uh, which was apparently endorsed by the DSE too. Yes, it was endorsed by the DSE. Now, now the, the thing is, in America, uh, only a few years ago, Tom Roster told American duck shooters 
that unless they could reduce the wounding rate, then duck shooting in America would go the same way it has in Australia. And Tom Roster was referring to the states that have already banned duck shooting, Jason. And, and I think that's a pretty big statement. And, and also, when you're talking about um, the uh, shooting organisations doing work on the wetlands, I, I mean, uh, if, if the big question is why do they put up breeding boxes when, when you had the Victorian government this year saying and arguing that a, a, a duck shooting season had to go ahead in Victoria to help rice farmers in New South Wales. Well, well I, I would say to the rice farmers that they should then be suing Field and Game and the sporting shooters for putting up breeding boxes. You, you see, it's a, it, they contradict themselves. Uh, the, the shooting organisations contradict themselves by saying they put up breeding boxes so birds can breed. Then they say there are too many, we need to shoot them. It's a conflict. Mm, okay, so I guess we'll, we'll get into that question. Actually, it's a pretty good question you brought up there. W what are your thoughts about, say, I mean, because I've been involved in this over a couple of years as well, say farmers needing uh, rice mitigation permits in southern New South Wales Riverina area to control ducks over horticultural crops. What's your... What's your general thoughts on that? Is there is there a place for you know a number of measures such as obviously obviously you know shooting you know blow guns uh, you know spotlighting at night to try and remove because I mean I've been down and I've seen uh, as probably have you too the some of the some of the uh, issues facing you know the uh, horticultural you know croppers down there especially with rice in New South Wales trying to control you know duck duck populations and duck damage to their rice crops. Uh, you hear a lot of stories, Jason, when the government announced the duck shooting season this year. Uh, they, they, Peter Walsh, the minister, was saying it's for crop mitigation damage in, on the rice fields in New South Wales. That's correct. Well, well, why don't New South Wales have a recreational duck shooting season? Because the birds are not a major problem. And in fact, if you go back... Uh, and look at all the CSI reports going back to the 1930s up to the present date today, they all say that native water birds are not a major problem. And in fact, water birds uh, eat a lot of the real pests like bloodworms uh, and invertebrates and snails. And in fact, Asian rice farmers take ducks onto their rice fields to keep the real pests down. Yeah, but a lot of a lot of people on that, like especially the farmers that I've been to, have you know, I mean, in, in essence, been ringing me up, you know, begging for my services to come down there to to, to help them out because you know some some of the the horticultural crops are losing millions and millions of dollars. I mean, it's it's quite it's quite a, a bad thing, especially if you know one rice farmer horticulturist gets you know you, you might be 100 percent correct. Some might never get touched for one season, yet the other guy in you know, 50, 100 kilometres away, he's just getting getting his crops torn down by the, by the ducks. Well, uh, you, you know, the rice farmers do make some pretty silly statements. There was one rice farmer that was used by the Victorian government to argue his case, and he was arguing it the same way you are at the moment. Mm -hmm. He even went on to say uh, that um, uh, native water birds are a bigger uh, pest than locusts or mice plagues and I mean that was a pretty silly 
and dumb thing to say because the moment he said that, the credibility of the Victorian government went out the window in, by using those arguments. Um, you, you know, the, the duck shooters were able to shoot one bird each right around Victoria. They were no threat to rice farmers. So the spin and the lies that are told, Jason, have become... You know, I, I used to accept that farmers could apply for destruction permits. Yep. In 2007, uh, in, in the February magazine, uh, Feathers and Fur, uh, the editor, that, that's when a, a, a moratorium had been called in Victoria. We were at the height of the drought, had no birds, and the Victorian government called a moratorium that year. The editor of Feathers and Fur suggested to Field and Game members and, and Feathers and Fur readers that they should contact their mates on the, on, on the land in Victoria to circumvent the drought and to circumvent the moratorium. They should ask them to apply for destruction permits so they could shoot wood ducks and that way they could have their opening. Now, those wood ducks weren't a problem to those farmers. It was just that the, uh, the editor was saying to the members and, and readers of Feathers and Fur, they should contact their, mem their mates on the land and ask them to apply for a permit so they could have a recreational shoot. Well, they were caught out. We passed on that information to, um, to the Department of Sustainability and environment and most of those permits that had already been issued for wood ducks were cancelled. The, the other thing is, and you talk about field and game and sporting shooters being you know, great environmentalists, well I hate to disagree, I see them as environmental vandals. During the 1980s when we first came onto the scene, I was contacted by the then Rural Water Commission who asked for our help because they were concerned that each year up in northwest Victoria, wetlands were being flooded because they were being lobbied by field and game and the sporting shooters to put water onto wetlands that were dry so they would attract birds so they could have a, a better duck shoot. Well, because of that, uh, that artificial flooding, uh, salt levels came to the surface and also a lot of the river red gum and black box trees drowned. So was that the uh, FGA and Gary Howard, the water diversion? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, no, no, that came later. The, and in 2009, um, at the height of the drought, uh, we noticed that 140 shooters had booked in to shoot on Field and Game, Australia's private shooting wetland near Sale, uh, which is part of Hearts Morass, and... A week before the opening, we managed to get onto the property and we found so two water lots. That's your question. H how did you manage to get onto the property? Well, we're members of Field and Game and uh, one of our team... You're a member of Field and Game? I've been a member of Field and Game and the Sporting Shooters for well over 20 years now. Uh, under an assumed name, of course. From severe salinity as well, obviously the drought, as you just said. Well... well what happened was we, we found that two water locks on the field and game private shooting wetland were taking water from the Latrobe River onto their private shooting wetland. Yeah. And, and w coming back, we, we assumed at first that 
Field and Game must have a, a license to take the water because they wouldn't be silly enough to illegally divert water from the Latrobe River. Um, so we put out a media release on the Monday and Gary Howard was interviewed by the ABC and, uh, in Gippsland and he admitted that um, water was being taken yep. from was, the... As far as the weir, he was, he was unaware that it was an offence to simply open the weir, but also, you know, upon questioning, was transparent and did plead guilty without contest. Uh, well, uh, I think I, I, the way I see it is, is Gary Howard was really... Um, the fall guy for, for field and game. So you believe they were diverting water simply to bring ducks into the area? Well, um, farmers, that was at a time, Jason, when farmers in Victoria were walking off their own land because they couldn't get a licence to take water to grow their crops. Farmers were going bankrupt around Victoria. Uh, uh, and sadly, there were farmers committing suicide because of a the, the, the terrible situation they were in where they could not get irrigation water. So what I'm saying is at a time when farmers were in dire straits in Victoria, Field and Game were illegally siphoning water from the Latrobe River onto their private shooting wetland. And they had attracted about 800 birds. And uh, we, where, we had... where, where do those figures come from, the 800 birds? Uh, well, well um, shooters who were on the wetland at the time we did our survey mm-hmm. they weren't shooting then they were doing their surveys were they from cads or were they hunters and shooters they, they were hunters they told us that 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 the wetland had attracted over a thousand birds and you know we had a look and we estimated uh, there were probably seven to eight hundred birds there um so uh, uh you know I, I would say that water had been taken um because 140 shooters were going there to shoot, they didn't have any. They didn't have water. They didn't have birds, and they wouldn't have had a shoot. And they got they got caught out. So um, I mean, here's a case where I, I would say duck shooters are environmental vandals. They're certainly not environmentalists. Oh, well, I guess we'll agree to disagree on that one. But uh, <laughs> okay, I, I thought get... you might. I thought you no, might disagree. No, no, I, just, with I mean, that I've basis. seen people out there myself. I'm always out there to help, and I see myself. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to speak for anyone else. I speak for myself, and I see that I'm, I'm doing a good thing by trying to help. Like I said, I've been on the rice for the last two seasons, trying to help farmers, and um, you know, I pick up all birds that I that I shoot. I bring them all home. I eat them, and it's and to me, it's it's. Uh, like I say, it's fantastic, but I, one, I enjoy it, and two, I enjoy eating food that I've, it's, it's, it's very rewarding. But anyway, we'll get into my next question. So let's say you were successful in obviously getting duck shooting in Victoria. Uh, let's say they decided to not uh, either ban it or not release a season. You know, the minister doesn't release a season. Let's say, you know, uh, this turned into, because people obviously, you know, there are certain cultures that do like to eat ducks and stuff like that. Let's say it turned into a factory farming in cages. Would this be an issue? Would you be worried about this issue if people... You know, like say, factory farming became an issue with 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 ducks. Well, with native water birds, yes, it would be. It would would never happen. It would never happen, Jason. That 
it's hypothetical, but it would never happen, and we would, obviously, if anybody tried to, we would fight it all the way. Yeah, I mean, if hunters, say, aren't shooting any more ducks, let's say it's, it's banned, that no more duck shooting in Victoria, and obviously there is a, a market for, obviously, the eating of ducks, and, and when in, like, like factory chickens are here at, at the moment, obviously, in the large levels for, for their eggs, would, it, would you find that would be an issue, and that would be something you would, obviously, look at to, uh, I guess, uh, protest against if that were, if that were to happen? Well, they can buy um, domestic-type ducks in supermarkets. That's right. Now. That's, that's correct. That's correct. We're not campaigning against that. We're only campaigning against the recreational shooting of native water birds. We're saying, what we're saying, Australia is a wonderful country. We have wonderful wildlife in this country, and, and let's protect our native wildlife. Now, when you have a situation like duck shooting, which is purely a recreational shoot, um, it's come to an end in three states. It's coming to an end in Victoria, and we'll continue to fight it uh, until it does. I mean, I mean, look, the the cruelty is unacceptable. Um, even yeah, the government cruelty in factory farming as well. I mean, you'd have to admit that in factory farming there can be some inhumane practices going on there as well. It's not just sh- shooting is the only in, you know in, apparent inhumane uh, way to obviously you know uh, under permit shoot the native water bird. You, you only have to look at the wonderful job Lynn White from Animals Australia has done in highlighting the shocking cruelty of Australian cattle going over to Indonesia into Indonesian slaughterhouses. Um, and I mean the Four Corners program. The, the it was a powerful program. It won a, um, it, it won a, I think a Walkley Award and also a Logie, a Gold Logie, because it, it it was a powerful, powerful piece of television. And the cruelty. It's exposing suffering. It's exposing cruelty. And and of course, cruelty happens in 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 other areas like abattoirs and things like that and when overt cruelty happens it should be exposed as it has been with the duck shooting issue no i just wanted to get it right so that you know like as you said that duck shooting obviously you you're against it these are the reasons why but on the other hand i'm just saying also the factory farming obviously if they're not using the correct practices if they don't you have a problem with that is that correct yeah i well i have a problem i think most most people would have a problem with cruelty and that's why the public have reacted um, in in pushing the federal government to ban the export of cattle to Indonesia. It's because the public was shocked when they saw that level of I just think sometimes the public don't understand what also happens you know, in factory farming thinking. A lot of people are a bit naive about where their food comes from and believe that, well, all, all these animals must have been treated you know, uh, humanely, when that's not always the case. So I just want to make sure, where, you know, where the distinction is here between, you know, the factory farming and if you're in agreement with factory farming of even these, the, you know, these these domestic or domesticated ducks, I guess you'd call them, compared to the native water birds. It, look, look, if you go back a couple of hundred years, kings and queens of England were involved in the slave trade. Thank God somebody stood up and and fought against the slave trade. I mean... Um, and people who did went to jail in in the early days until slavery was bad. You only have to look at at the the, the civil rights movement in 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 America, where uh, you know African Americans were bashed just for marching in 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 towns southern towns like Alabama, uh, and and 
you know, it was because of their courage in standing up and others and white people standing up for them um, that civil liberties came in. You only have to look at the suffragettes in Victoria. Women weren't allowed to vote in Victoria in, in the... In, in, in the late 1880s, 1890s. Yet women had to campaign for the right to vote in Victoria and the suffragettes went, went, were, were arrested, taken to court, went to jail just for the right of women to be able to vote. And, and I mean, when you look back on those things these days, you say, how, how could uh, women never have been allowed to vote? Uh, and, and, and it's only those injustices that are overcome by courageous people standing up and speaking uh, out against those injustices. Yeah, so, so you sort of, I guess, what you're saying, so you, are you likening, if that's what I'm getting from your, 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 what you're saying there, you're likening duck, duck shooting to what happens in, in some of these injustices, is that correct? Yes, yes, definitely. It's, it's still an injustice, and there are a lot of injustices in the world that, that need to be corrected. Jason and 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 people will come along to, and that that that's how life moves forward. All right, I guess that gets into our next one, uh, Laurie. So in 2011 and 2012, protesters were arrested, and as you said before, one lady was shot entering the water prior to the designated time. Do you think that's an appropriate law, or do you think it's appropriate to break the law in place in place of a greater good of getting duck hunting uh, banned in Victoria? That is a political law that was brought in. It's a bad law. And, uh, I didn't ask you, okay, it's a bad law, but do you think it's an appropriate law? No, it's not an appropriate law. It was brought in by the Kennett government to give shooters three or four hours of free shooting time on the opening weekend of the duck shooting season. But those laws were also brought in to not only stop rescuers from going out onto the water, but to stop the media from going out onto the water because the government of the day didn't like those images uh, on television on the opening night of the duck shooting season of birds being brutalised by duck shooters, birds falling out of the sky, hitting the water. Um, those images weren't good images uh, from the gov government's point of view either, as well as the shooter's point of view. So they didn't want the media out there, but, but thankfully the media has always been out there and getting those images. I mean, when you look at it, the media can go into war zones every year, and, and, and each year about 100 journalists are killed and camera people in war zones around the world. And they're trying to bring out the truth to help stop the suffering of of innocent people in those countries. Yet the government, the government considered duck shooters here far too dangerous for the media to go out onto the water. Yeah, but when, when, the, when the ladies, obviously, you, know, you probably wear this lady in particular, did break the law, it, it is a law. Did, when she went into the water, she, obviously she was obviously uh, re, uh, apparently rescuing, you know, obviously ducks on the wetland, and, and that would have been implying that hunters were on the wetland prior to the 10 a.m., yet nobody... Um, no hunters, as far as I'm aware, were, were prosecuted. So, I mean, getting back to the laws, what I'm saying is when people are rescuing, or you're rescuers from CADS, which is like, if, if they say you, you can't go in the water prior to this designated time and they do, do you, do you promote that? Do you promote them to break a law that actually is a law in the face of saying, well, you need to rescue that duck? That's what I'm saying. Unfortunately, we have to break a law because shooters are wounding birds. 
shooters are illegally shooting protected species. So we have to, I mean, shooters are breaking the law. When I was arrested on the opening morning of the 2012 duck shooting season, a shooter had shot a teal. That bird came down and hit the water. The shooter was closer to the bird than what we were, and he moved towards it to pick it up. The bird was still very much alive. It was wounded. It flapped away from the shooter, and the shooter couldn't be bothered going after it, so he walked back to his mate. And so you, you went in there, that was correct? We, we went after the bird, yep. and it, it was in a, a, a fairly... There was quite a bit of vegetation on Bullock around that area, and the bird had disappeared. I called for the DPI uh, uh, compliance officer to come out and talk to the shooter and charge him with cruelty. The DPI officer came out and immediately arrested me. Why? Because uh, I was on the water before 10 o'clock in the morning. But then he, so if the hunter had have done that, which is according to what you said, bringing in the DPI officer, why wasn't that hunter charged? Well, you'll have to talk to the DPI officer. And that's why we say the DPI, Jason, has a huge conflict of interest, which we hope to take to the new Crime Commission or the Ombudsman, because most of the staff in Game Victoria, in DPI, who administer the duck shooting season, have a huge conflict of interest. They're not only duck shooters, but many of them are office bearers for field and game and sporting shooters. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, this year, so there were the, I can understand where you're coming from as well, but a lot of the a lot of hunters, uh, you know, I don't understand why, if, if, that's, if that's law, we, we obviously, and same goes for the Coalition Against Duction and, and the rescuers as well, the, the same law should be appropriate for both. So therefore, if a hunter had have done that, they should have been charged. So uh, it seemed to me that, you know, again, only from the media reports that I received, that no hunters, as far as I'm aware, were charged last year, yet quite a number of uh, rescuers were and did go through a law and receive criminal records. As far as I know, up until now, uh, uh, this year, only two uh, rescuers were arrested, and I was one of them, and I received a $112 fine, uh, sorry, $122 fine. Okay. Did that go to court? No, I paid it. Okay. There are rescuers going to court. Yep. On the last weekend of the duck shooting season last year in 2011, and this is where the conflict of interest, the duck shooters who were in DSE put together a scam they decided to do a sting on duck rescuers on the final weekend of the duck shooting season. And rescuers were arrested for blowing whistles in order to keep birds away from the guns. And rescuers have always, for 25 years, used whistles and flags because birds can't see duck shooters out on the water because they're in camouflage gear. So if we're out there in bright clothes... uh, white t-shirts or um, uh, we carry flags and the birds can see the coloured flags uh, and if birds are flying in towards the guns, rescuers use whistles and the birds will turn away from the guns at a 90 degree angle. So all we're doing is warning the birds that they're flying into danger. Uh, Now rescuers were arrested and charged with harassing and hindering hunters. Now, rescuers, it was a sting, 
It was thought up by the duck shooters who were in DSE and who have now gone across to the new game Victoria Department. And they, those rescuers had to appear in court and we spent seven days in the magistrate's court a week before the opening of the duck shooting season and uh, the case carried on after the opening of this year's duck shooting season. But the, the magistrate uh, uh, retired to consider his verdict. Now that was about five weeks ago and, and at this point of time we have no decision. But um, as I said, uh, uh, to you that we have to break a bad law uh, on the opening weekend. This wasn't breaking a bad law. We, we, we were legally entitled to be out on the wetlands on the final weekend of the duck shooting season. So it was a trumped-up charge of harassing and hindering hunters. Yeah, but, but I mean the why... lady that got shot in two, I think it was two, was it? Yeah, I think it was the two, two twelve now. It's a two thousand eleven season. I mean, the law was you don't enter the water prior to the designated time. So therefore, you know, that's like uh, saying well, if I don't agree, I personally don't agree with the law of, you know, no matter how silly it is, if I don't agree with it, I can therefore go and break it because I think it's appropriate to do so. Have you ever received the parking fine? I have. Oh, breaking the law. <laughs> oh, l l likening any in the water, but don't you understand it's it's dangerous. It's dangerous to obviously hunters don't want to. Last thing we want to do, and even myself, and I could I'll probably you know I can talk for a lot of hunters here. The last thing they want to do is wound somebody. I mean that's that that's horrible. That's the you know we we obviously uh, pride ourselves on safety as well. Or at least I I can speak for myself. I do, and I pride myself on safety. The last thing I want to do is shoot a, a person. Um, but then again, if the law was broken prior to that time, uh, it's, it's just sometimes it's not okay to say if, it, if a law, I mean, if law is law, if everyone went around saying, well, I don't agree with that law, well, hey, I don't agree with you know, people killing other people, but hey, if I don't agree with that, is it okay to go and do that? I mean, the world would be a, a totally different place. What, what about the shooter that shot the and wounded the bird and left it? That That's breaking the law, but there's nobody out there to prosecute him. The only... And we have to be out there to help those birds. So we are, we are breaking a political law to help uh, uh, to stop hunters from breaking a bigger law. And, and that is the, the cruelty towards native water birds. And look, even the RSPCA last year in 2011 ran a magnificent full-page ad in the Age newspaper on the more, uh, a day before the opening of the duck shooting season. And that ad said that the opening morning of the duck shooting season was Victoria's day of shame. And I think that sums up how three out of four Victorians feel about duck shooting. And what we have done over the last 25 years is duck shooters these days cannot talk about their exploits on the wetlands to the general public. So much so that in the, um, it would have been in the uh, August 2007 Feathers and Fur, uh, Field and Game uh, Chairperson Russ Bate told duck shooters that because of the way public opinion was running against them in in, in Victoria, that they should do what the gay movement 
uh, has done and out themselves. They should go and knock on their neighbour's door and just say to them that they were duck shooters and that they were normal people. And I don't think duck shooters have been game to do that. But Russ Bait recognised the fact that duck shooters are, are, are extremely unpopular with the Victorian public. So I guess in, in respect you desire to protect the native water birds that are venerable and endangered, could you tell me maybe some species which you believe may become extinct if duck hunting were allowed to continue in Victoria? And over what time period do you believe you know, that's, that that might occur? Well, the, 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 the one species that, that uh, was in trouble when we started the campaign was the freckle duck. And, and CSIRO scientists said the freckle duck in those days uh, numbered about twenty thousand in Victoria and because uh, in, in Australia, sorry, and and because these birds are unique to Australia, that you don't find them anywhere else. That was that twenty thousand population was in Australia only. That was a world population. Um, because of our rescue team highlighting the problem in the early days, and we used to bring in, we were bringing in freckle ducks. Uh, that had been illegally shot. That's why the waterfowl identification test was brought in in Victoria, Jason, to try and stop freckle ducks from being shot. But three years after the in introduction of the waterfowl ID test, uh, just before the opening of the 1993 duck shooting season, wildlife officers had counted 300 freckle ducks on the northern end of Lake Bullock. Now, we tried to have Bullock closed off to shooting, but the shooters lobbied against it and Bullock was left open. But what the department did was close off the northern end of the lake as a sanctuary. Now, I said to the department, once, those, once the season starts and all the guns go off, and you've got to remember that there were you know, nine or 10,000 duck shooters on the rest of Bullock, with all those guns going off, those birds will fly out of the northern end of the lake, out of the sanctuary, into the guns. And that's exactly what happened because we recovered 272 of those freckle ducks that had been illegally shot out of the 300. Sorry, yeah, that's fine. When you were on, like you said, you were protesting and uh, you went to pick up the duck and you were obviously taken back for questioning or charge, whatever you no, want. I wasn't to protesting. I was out there to help wounded birds. Okay. When you came back, so when you obviously discussed with the DPI representative, this is what happened, what what was the outcome there? I mean, if, if that happened, what, why wasn't the hunter that obviously that was particularly, because obviously you, you witnessed this happen, why, why, why the DPI representative not, not charging hunters if that's what's happening? Well, because uh, very few duck shooters were ever charged before we went out there. Um, what, what's happened, uh, what happened on the opening weekend, because I kept insisting that the DPI uh, compliance officer talk to the duck shooter, uh, there were two compliance officers. One of them spoke to the shooter, but they weren't that interested. They were only interested in getting me off the water. So... And that's why, and that's why we're out there. If we hadn't have been out there in 1993, when those freckle ducks were illegally shot, uh, we wouldn't have been able to highlight to the public the fact that uh, 272 of those 300 birds had been illegally shot 
and you see there's a need for us to be there. We don't want to risk our lives. The last thing we want to do is take risks out there. But unfortunately, if we're not out there, Jason, there is no one out there to help native water birds. And I'm sure you would say the same thing about Australian soldiers in Afghanistan. They're risking their lives uh, over there serving their country, and we're risking our lives here serving our native water birds. Listen, I agree with you where you're going with that, but so you're saying that you're likening duck hunting with the soldiers over in Afghanistan? What I'm saying is Australian soldiers are in Afghanistan uh, doing their duty. And, and it's a dangerous situation, and we respect them. Of course we do. Here, um, on the wetlands, we have to be out there in a dangerous situation to help our native water birds, because if we're not there, Jason, there's nobody else out there to help those birds. Okay, obviously we can agree on safety. I mean, I agree with that. No, no hunter... You know, wants to, you know, uh, hurt a hurt a hurt a, a rescue or a pro, whatever you want to activist pro. Nobody, nobody wants to see anyone get shot. I, I, I can think vouch for that amongst all hunters. I mean, it's the last thing we want to happen. So, I guess this gets in our last few questions. Like, well, well just, just before you finish here, Jason, I just want to say that that in the early days there were more duck shooters who were being killed. We actually made it safer for duck shooters out on the wetlands because. Once we went out there, there were, no, there were no police in the first three years that we went out to the wetlands, and it was a, a frightening place. It really was. There were, there were as I said, 10,000 shooters on Bull Oak. There were no police out there. It, it was in 1989 that the police went out for the first time, and we lobbied the government to send the police out, and mainly because of the drinking and the shooting, um, and, and because the police are out there and they do a fantastic job policing on the wetlands and we have a great deal of respect for the police out there, uh, a lot of the drinking that used to go on in the early days with the shooters, uh, the shooters don't drink as much these days. Well, technically a shooter is not to be you know, in, in, you know discharging a firearm whilst intoxicated on any alcohol at all. So... Well, as I said, in, in the lead-up to the 88 season, a publican on Channel 9 said that he sold $10,000 worth of grog uh, to duck shooters uh, on the, the day before the opening of the season. So, so, you know, we've made it safer for duck shooters out there. And, in fact, if you look at quail shooting this year, uh, uh, last year, in 2011, two quail shooters, uh, one... one quail shooter who was shooting with his father just after the opening of the duck shooting season the father shot the son in the face and a helicopter had to be uh, brought in to to rush that shooter to hospital and another duck sh another quail shooter was also shot the same a few weeks later. Yeah, I also thought it would make clear too, if they were buying alcohol, obviously it would be an offence, at least you know, today's day and age regards to firearm licence, it would be an offence to consume alcohol while discharging a firearm. But if a firearm was locked up, ammunition was locked up, and it was, you know, uh, obviously, you know, uh, hunters maybe go for the wetlands for two or three days, they would be able to enjoy, I guess, a beverage you know, during their specified times, but obviously not during any time during, dis you know, discharging a firearm anywhere on the uh, on the wetlands. So I just wanted to clear that part up too. 
Well, I'm not saying that the the the, the quail shooters who were shot had been drinking at all. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, I mean, I'm that... talking about the yeah. As you said, the a lot of alcohol was purchased prior to the you know. But again, I think education. I mean, I think you'd have to agree too on both ends. Education has come a long way. You know, technology has come a long way. As you said, with steel shot, with uh, hunter education, wit tests, um, uh, hunters uh, having to go through the required training firearms training with their whether it be field and game double s double a i think there's i mean and i think that's better i think that that is some positives to come out of it that people are more educated now people are more educated in firearms they're educated in the safety aspects and the i guess the i mean issues are going to happen like anywhere but i think also too there's a lot less things that are happening than it was back when it was less regulated too you know i think it's a positive for everyone and education is always a good thing i think you'd agree with that well, you're saying uh, it's a positive that we went out there and we helped bring about all those changes, Jason. Oh, well, <laughs> I think we'll have to agree to disagree on well, that Well, one. we did. I mean, if we hadn't have gone... When we started our campaign in 1986, and I said there were 95,000 duck shooters, uh, Ted Drain said there were 130,000 in those days, it, duck shooting was a growing activity. It was growing every year. We brought it back. We, we, there are 20,000 or so licensed duck shooters today in Victoria. There would have been 150,000 if we hadn't have uh, been out there in, in the early days. And, and we've fought, and we've fought hard for those changes to happen. You wouldn't have had a waterfowl ID test. You wouldn't have had three states banning the activity. So we've with, brought with the about banning those... too. Can I just, uh, that, as far as I'm aware, I'm not sure this is correct or not. I'm, I'm pretty sure that is. They haven't actually is it uh, banned the duck season. I thought it was under say a gazetted system whereby the minister actually declares the seasons. They technically haven't banned it. They just haven't declared it for obviously many or well, New South Wales for over 15 years. Is that correct? No, it's gone for good. It, it's gone, and, and part of, part of it, Jason, was that there in the other states, their animal welfare advisory committees, their AWAC committees had recommended the ban to uh, the government because of the cruelty factor. And in fact, uh, in 1993, the Victorian government's own Animal Welfare Advisory Committee recommended that duck shooting be banned in, in this state because of cruelty. And AWAC has been doing that all the way through uh, until now. And, and yet it hasn't been banned because... Um, the, the, the governments, whether it be Liberal or Labor in Victoria, whether it be Kennett, Brax, Brumby or Value, have not taken notice of uh, their own animal welfare advisory committees. They're, they're playing politics with it and, and there's a need for our rescue teams to be out on the wetlands and will continue to be there. It doesn't matter whether they bring new laws in to try and stop us. We'll be there fighting the issue because... The public is on the side of the native water birds. But all, all we factor. hope as, as as hunters, I mean, and shooters of you know of ducks is that you know it's it's done. You know, I guess people don't have a wrong with rescuers getting out there, but it's done. It's got to be done to the correct and to the letter of the law, because we we don't want to see. And I mean, I think you can agree with this. We don't want to see someone, in essence, you know, in a year's time for the uh, the cause of cads to be shot and killed. You know, for entering entering the uh, wetland prior to the time, and someone loses their life for you know whether it be breaking the law or just even for anything, we we don't want to see someone die. I'm sure you can agree with that. We we don't want to be out there. The, the last place any of our rescuers want 
to be on the opening morning of the duck shooting season. Is out on the wetlands with those guys dressed up as soldiers carrying uh, dangerous weapons, shooting at native water birds. The last place we want to be is out there on the wetlands with them. Uh, but we have to be to help native water birds. We would expect the government of the day to help our native water birds. We would expect the government of the day to have enough respect for our native water birds to look after them. And if they can't, then we have to be there to help those birds. All we're doing, Jason, is representing our native water birds because they can't speak for themselves. They can't fight back. Let's say, at the sake of fighting your cause, which, you know, I can, I got no problem with people you know, fighting for what they believe in. I'm fighting for what I believe in. So I think that's, that's, a, that's a memorable thing. But let's say someone happened to be killed in the face of protesting against native water bird shooting. Would that be, would that be a small price to pay someone dying for the greater cause? It would be a shocking price to pay, a terrible price. And, you know, I don't sleep for three months before the opening weekend because I'm worried. And I, I came very close to pulling the plug on the campaign because of what happened last year when a rescuer was shot in the face. It was the fact that we managed to pick up the best safety ballistic eyewear, uh, at least, was the reason we went ahead. And also because when I suggested cancelling the season because of the dangers to our rescuers, the rescuers wouldn't listen to that. They wanted to be out there. Yeah, but obviously, I mean, I, great, great we, you give them the safety wear required. And luckily for the poor lady, I mean, you know, luckily... Yeah, I think the, getting shot with a shotgun just for the her getting shot in the eye—that was the least of what could have happened. I mean, that could have you know been death. You know, and that, that would have been horrible. I mean, guns are dangerous. Um, I, I mean, don't you care about the two quail shooters? The, the two quail shooters who were shot this absolutely. last year. Absolutely. Well, um, there were no rescuers there. That yet a father shot his son in the face. Yeah, but that's not a regular occurrence. That happens all the time. Now, ask another question. Ah, hang well, on, on, maybe on. shooters should maybe we sh they shouldn't be out there. M maybe car drivers shouldn't be out there either on the road and the the, the hundreds of deaths we have every year. Well, uh, you, you know, I'm <laughs> fully in favour of the police cracking down on hoons on the road and people who are speeding. A question would have been: Would she have been shot if she hadn't have entered the water prior to the starting time? She knew the risks and she was prepared to take those risks. It was a personal decision because she was concerned about our native water birds. I know, but do you use, do, does CADS condone that type of behaviour in, in times of need? If, if she needed to say, well, do you condone him breaking the law to go and save that water bird if there was, a, if there was an injured native water bird there? Well, we're out on the water uh, early in the morning because we have to be to help those birds. Laurie, we're not, not going to be I... able to help the birds by doing what the shooters want us to do, and that stand on the shore with placards. Yeah, but that's not what I asked you. I asked you whether you'd condone entering the water prior to 10 a.m. or whatever the specific time frame is on the specific area that person's in to, to retrieve. And at this stage, I wasn't there. I'm not sure if you were there at the time. A parent or alleged injured native water bird, you condone, CADS condone that type of behaviour. That's my question. Rescuers are forced to go out onto the water uh, and break that law to help native water Okay, birds. who forced her to go out of the water? Nobody forced her. So she's willingly, willingly broken the law to... The, the team, the rescue team, we, we know the risks out there. And, and, and you, you, what you've got, 
what you've got here, the, the difference between a duck shooter and a duck rescuer is duck shooters have no feeling for the pain and suffering that they cause those native water birds. And in fact, as I said before, when a bird is shot and it starts to tumble out of the sky, shooters tear and a roar of laughter goes up. And, and rescuers, on the other hand, feel sick when they see a bird blown out of the sky. And that's why they're out there. They're out there to help those birds. And, and they do risk their lives. And I respect those rescuers. I respect those rescuers. They are, their commitment and courage is, is just superb. Uh, they take risks under fire. So no hunters that I, I mean, again, I'm not obviously down in Victoria, so I'm not privy to what goes on a lot of the wetlands. Obviously, I'm only one person, but no hunters that I hunt with, you know, cheer or, or, or scream happiness at, you know, the potential of an injured uh, injured duck when they're shooting. And I don't know what type of people, if that's the case, that's what's happening, what type of people these people are, because... Any ah, well, you, you, would, you would agree with us then, Jason. I didn't say I, didn't say I agree with you. I, I can't speak for all hunters out there. I'm sure you can't speak for all uh, rescuers and protesters out there either, so... It, it all just depends on you know your interpretation. But anyone I've ever hunted, if I've helped rice permit uh, under mitigation in the Riverina, I certainly don't cheer that I if it, if it, if it injured if it injured a duck got injured. It, but again, it goes back to the saying like what you say it's barbaric. But what what would it mean if that no uh, ducks were ever wounded? If we could guarantee no ducks were ever wounded, then it wouldn't be barbaric. Well, you, you can't do that. So that that's, that, that's the reality of the situation. You, you know, shooters are shoot, the range of a shotgun is, what, 50 to 70 metres. Shooters shoot at birds that are out of range. You can see birds that are hit. They flinch, and they continue to fly, wounded. And, and also, you have shooters who are bad shots. You, you, have, you have days that are raining when they're shooting in the rain. There might be a high wind. Uh, and in 1985, I first went out to the wetlands just to have a look around. I found a lot of illegally shot protected species. And when I spoke to the wildlife officer, and I won't use his name now, uh, but he said that on the opening morning of the 85 season, he was out on the wetlands shooting when he was on duty, supposedly enforcing the law. He shot eight birds that morning and four escaped wounded. And I thought to myself, that's a 50% wounding rate. And if that's a wildlife officer getting a 50% wounding rate, what are all the other shooters doing out there? And that's, that's one of the reasons that I went out there with a team of 15 in 1986. Now, what I'm saying is, if you think shooters are capable of being out there on the water, what I've suggested for the last few years is that an Olympic standard accuracy test be brought in before shooters are allowed to go out. And, and they have to pass that test before going out onto the water. Okay, let's say that was done and that, that, that did happen. Therefore, would you cease all your rescuing and protesting activities? Um, if, if that was brought in, then we probably would. You would? Okay. So if you bring in if you bring in an Olympic standard accuracy test for all shooters, we would pull the plug on our campaign. Okay. Well, I guess we obviously it depends what you mean. What, yeah, what was meant by an Olympic standard? Obviously, we don't. You know, we're not sure what the Olympic standard what would be and what the ins and outs would be. But okay, and I appreciate your. Well, they would that. have to reach the standard of 
competence of a Russell Mark or a Michael Diamond. Now, I'm prepared to go with that. Um, now, if, if you think shooters are so good out there, then let's bring in, let's work together, Jason, to bring in an Olympic standard accuracy test. Not getting into the semantics of it, but what would be, you know, what Olympic standard, what, hitting 300 out of 300? I mean, that be, would that That's be realistic? So you, so you would want them, say, as I said before in my previous, um, in my previous thing, I said, uh, if hunters, I said, let's say there was an Olympic standard, and hunters killed their ducks instantly. None were ever wounded and no protected species was ever shot due to the education, such as the wit test. That, you would then say, um, that means you would support duck hunting. You would have to support duck hunting. If there was Olympic standard and you said every duck was shot, every duck was instantly killed on being shot because they'd been Olympic standard uh, proficiency and no species due to education um, Sorry, no protected species due to education because we can, you know, positively identify what protected species are. That means you. That means you would be in support of duck shooting. No, no, I wouldn't be in support of it. But, uh, you, but you, you would allow it to go ahead and be and be fine with that and not and not be out there on the wetlands. If if the the duck shooters in Victoria, as an example, uh, are forced to sit an Olympic standard accuracy test, then we would give away the campaign. Now, now, can I can I say can I say in further interviews that you agree with that that Olympic standard accuracy test should be brought in? Who did I say that? Did you say? No, I, I'm saying you agree with that. I said what would be an Olympic standard? Russell Mark or Michael Diamond don't hit 300, 300. They have. I mean, I t I've had Russell Mark on my show, and I mean, he's missed targets. He, ah. he's missed targets. Ah, well, then he wouldn't be allowed to shoot native water birds if he misses targets. <laughs> but then, so what you're saying is if uh, if someone attends, say, a, a, let's, say let's say Russell, Mark, Michael, Diamond, they attend the Olympics. So what they're saying is they shouldn't attend the Olympics if, let's say, their standard is, you know, they've got 200 targets to hit. So what you're saying in that respect is if they don't hit 200 targets, they're not at the standard to be in the Olympics and they've won Australia gold medals in Olympic sport. Oh, no, they, they should be because they're Australia's best shooters. And I, and I think... But they're not hitting 200 out of 200 on a consistent basis either, not, not all the right. time. That's right. Olympic standard shooters don't hit the target every time. Exactly. So even the point I'm making here is even Olympic standard shooters would be wounding birds out there. And you're saying to me, would I agree that duck shooting should continue if no birds were wounded? Well, then again, missing targets and wounding birds, a bit, bit of a different comparison there. What's the what's the difference? If he if he hits 190 and missed 10 times, that mean does that mean he wounded a clay target? Because that, <laughs> no, that because no. that no, but that would imply he, he that would imply he hit the target. <laughs> no, no, no. What 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 the well, shooting what you're at? saying to me? You go if he if he hits the target or he doesn't hit the target. So therefore, if he shot and missed the target, wouldn't be a wounded bird. What I'm saying is that Olympic Olympic shooters right. who miss. Yeah. Don't cause any suffering by missing. Duck shooters, when they miss, okay. do cause suffering. That's the difference between a clay target shooter and a duck shooter. So if if, if Olympic shooters miss, you know, fifty shots out of three hundred, uh, and hit and, and miss the targets, well, there's no suffering caused because they're only they're only clay targets. But if duck shooters are shooting at wounded at, at birds and wounding them, then then 
they are causing enormous suffering okay, to beautiful I, birds. Okay, I, 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 if they were wounded, but again, I get back to my point, is that if, if you're saying they're missing, there's only, there's only plus or negative in clay target. You either hit or you don't hit. Now, yeah. Let's say a duck shooter goes out. He misses the bird totally. I mean, where's the suffering? What, to the air around him? Where's the suffering? If the bird has not been hit and he has missed the bird genuinely outright, like a clay target shooter like Michael Diamond, Russell Mark, Adam Vella, those guys, they would hit the target or miss the target. There's no... You, you're saying if he misses the target, therefore the wounded, the bird is going to be wounded. The, what is the, it misses the, the, misses the, the bird? The problem you have with birds is they can be hit but still wounded. I agree with that, yeah. But then again, also for hit in clay targets, either hit or a miss, there's no in-between. That's right, in clay targets. But, but with, with birds, wounded, one, once a bird has been hit and it's wounded, then it's suffering, and that bird will suffer. I mean, I mean we, we have uh, wounded birds x-rayed, and you can see the pellets that are lodged near nerves, bones, and, you can, and those birds, even if they survive... Uh, out in the wild, they're going to be suffering because of those injuries. And to me, that is a barbaric act, uh, activity in the in the 21st century, and it's something that has to come to an end. And the moment it does come to an end, Jason, then I retire. Uh, I'll be off the shooters' backs. Yep. And and you, you see, the other thing you've got to consider is that all other shooters suffer for what duck shooters do because the, 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 the amount of bad publicity that duck shooters continually get rubs off on clay target shooters, feral animal shooters, deer shooters. They all suffer because of the bad image that, that, duck, shoot, that, hang on, that yeah, duck shooters have. Get rid of duck shooting and then there'll be no one out there attacking or fighting other shooters. But then so, we could also say that, you know, again, if uh, protesters, like, uh, as I said, the lady that got shot breaking the law, entering the water prior to the designated time, that means we could say it gives uh, your organisation, uh, not to say a bad name, but gives your organisation some not good publicity on, you know, for the, for the cause you're trying to put forward and then may brandish other rescuing or protesting activities with the same brush as well. The last thing we want is for any of our rescuers to get hurt out there. But I do acknowledge that their concern for our native water birds uh, and their courage and commitment in being out there over the last 25 years has brought about enormous change that has helped our native water birds in this country. I mean, saying that, I, 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 I don't think in my mind, I mean, is, is a life, are we willing to lose a life for that lady to save that one injured water bird, is that the price we're willing to pay? Well, I hope we never have to pay that. Neither do I. Me, I agree, 100% agree with you. Neither do I. Neither do I. All right, two questions before we finish off, Laurie. Don't <laughs> okay, want to keep Jason. you too much longer. You might have to get some lunch soon. So, <laughs> um, I guess you're familiar with uh, Richard Kingsford's Aerial Waterbird Surveys commissioned by CSRO 1983. Richard released annual reports about waterbird numbers every year until recently as 2009. Now, he has not, uh, however, published any reports for 2010, 2011 at a time since we've experienced significant rainfalls and floodings across the eastern states, pushing birds north and west, which are flourishing in great numbers. Now, Richard Kingsford recently proclaimed water bird numbers had increased across Australia since 1983. Now, yeah, could you just give me a bit more info, what you, what, what, what you thought about that? Yeah, I, I think uh, Richard Kingsford is uh, uh, 
uh, one of Australia's best bird scientists. And, and uh, you, you know, when, when he was saying there were no birds across eastern Australia in the, during the drought periods, when, in, especially in 2009 and 2010, when duck shooting seasons were called in, in Victoria, um, uh, he spoke out against that. Uh, because governments weren't listening to to what what he was saying. Now birds are breeding up again, and uh, that that's part of of how native water birds operate. I mean, during the bad times, native water birds don't breed. During the good times, they do. But the, the breeding that was taking place wasn't necessarily all game species. There were a lot of protective species, uh, birds like ibis, etc. And a lot of the breeding was happening up north, up around northern Queensland. Yeah, I mean, and obviously this, uh, you know, duck shooting. I mean, even uh, again under permit, yeah, obviously, obviously people can under permit still do it in New South Wales. So I mean, I guess it's a, a national thing. It's not really just a Victorian uh, issue, as you would say too. I guess. Well, well, well um, recreational duck shooting has been banned uh, in New South Wales, Western Australia, and Queensland. And as as I said to you. Uh, Peter Beattie, when he was Premier, said Queensland is now the smart state for looking after its native water birds. And, and the sooner duck shooting you know, comes to an end in Victoria, uh, the better it will be for native water birds and the better it will be for country Victorians because we can then have a nature-based wetlands tourism uh, uh, industry established in this state and Victoria could be a second Kakadu National Park. Yeah. All right. We'll get, we'll get on one, two final questions, Laurie. Um, so yeah, as you heard, Tom Roster claims that one in four ducks, as you said, fl- uh, f- could have flown off wounded, especially in the old lead shot. Um, he did uh, the lethality tests with the uh, steel shot. Now, we also heard claims that many as 600,000 ducks are shot each season in Victoria or thereabouts, what would that, which would equate generally to 150,000 ducks possibly flying off wounded, eventually obviously littering uh, and being you know wasted away in the Victorian swaps. Now, was there any evidence that in the case of Australia where uh, the apparent mortally wounded native water birds, given Tom is actually a US ballistic expert who largely believes also that upland game in America, such as pheasant, are anatomically different than other upland game birds, such as pheasant, possessing like a, a basically an inbuilt type suit of armour? Well, uh, native water birds certainly don't have a, a suit of armour. That's why they get... That's why they suffer. That's why they're brutalised. That's why we're out there. I, mean, I guess they... my question was where, you know, obviously you're saying a lot of ducks are being wounded, possibly up to, in this figure, 150,000. So where, where, where are these ducks we're talking of? And I know you've obviously I've seen the videos where you guys are in front of, is it the parliamentary house or in front of the government there, placing those, you know, water birds on the sheet, etc. Now, were they this year's water birds? Because uh, are they frozen water birds? Do you keep them? Do you bring them straight in off the land, straight into the parliament? Or are they taken back to somebody's house? What's the process there? Well, we we bring them back from the wetlands and we display them. And, 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 and you know, shedders have put up silly arguments o- over the years that. Uh, how long? Uh, how long after use... normally do they do they do they do they? Well, 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 the well they, they, normally birds are found on the on the weekend and there'll be a display outside the premier's office, usually on the Monday or the Tuesday morning. Now, uh, all, all of the birds for the last twenty five years, Jason. Uh, uh, once we display the birds, those birds are picked up by the, 
in the old days, the Department of Sustainability and Environment. These days, the Department of Primary Industries. And in, in the old days, when the government had more money, all of those birds that we brought in were x-rays. So, so, you know, if, 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 if what the shooters were saying was true, then uh, DS&E would have picked that up. They didn't because uh, the birds had been shot. And also, you've got to understand that pellets can pass through a, a water bird very, very easily. Birds are shot in the neck, for instance. Pellet can go straight through in one side and out the other. But all those birds in the early days were x-rayed. And it was because of those x-rays done by the Department of Sustainability and Environment that they picked up the lead poisoning problem. And uh, that's why we were able to have lead shot bans. So, so shooters have been arguing that one for 25 years. It doesn't stand up to, to any sort of uh, 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 criticism. Okay, well, I wonder also too why the lead shot hasn't been issued or for steel shot in the, under rice mitigation permit for New South Wales. So are you saying they still use lead shot up there? Well, I use steel shot, but I'm saying as far as I'm aware, it's not, it's not a mandatory thing to use steel shot on the rice fields of uh, the New South Wales Riverina. Well, uh, I'm not sure on that, but um, uh, I, I'll... Certainly go and check that yeah, out. Yeah, no, check that out because, as I said, I've, as far as I'm aware, I've been told by... Um, who did I call up? Obviously, it was at Griffith. Griffith um, uh, Department of Sustainability, or the one in New South Wales here, uh, down in the Griffith there. It's not required to use uh, uh, steel shots. I'm not sure well, why well, that is. I might do some more research on that myself. The, 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 only, the only thing I could say there is... That, that, it I should mean, be mandatory let, if that's the case. Lead has been banned on all, all wetlands right throughout Australia now, but but... Rice fields may be considered farmland, not wetland. So that may, that may be the reason, Jason. But look, just to finish off, I'm, our rescue team will be out on the wetlands for as long as duck shooting continues in Victoria. No matter what laws are brought in, we'll continue to fight it because the harder the government cracks down on our rescuers, uh, the, the more the public come on side. Yeah, I hope you, and, and, like everyone does it safely. Um, I hope everyone, you know, does, you know, really shouldn't be, you know, be sticking by the law, shouldn't be doing, and, and this goes for the hunters as well, as I've said in the past, you know, if you're doing the wrong thing, expect to be prosecuted. That goes for both sides. Do the right thing, get out there, do what you should be doing and don't be breaking any laws because the last thing I think you can agree, Laurie, too, last thing we want to do is get people injured, get people hurt, people that are getting shot. And, you know, I don't believe it's, you know, in my mind, it's not, if someone happened to get killed for the space of a, you know, of a native water bird to fly the flag for the cause against duck shooting, for the media to take hold of that and say, well, somebody's been shot when the law was broken, I don't think is the best way to go about it at all. That's my opinion. And I hope you continue to, obviously, with your, your lobbying prospects, as we will, you know, vehemently do the same as well. Well, look, our safety record over the last 25 years has been pretty good. And, uh, you know, what happened last year was uh, a shock to everyone. And uh, that's the last thing we want to see happen. If the rescuers wanted to pull out of the rescue team, uh, we would pull the plug on it. But they don't. And they have a, a commitment to those native water birds. And if they're not out there, Jason, there's nobody else out there to help them. All right, Laurie, thanks for coming on the show. I'm glad we were able to um, you know, have a chat and, and, and nut a few things out here. And 
discuss the issues with the Coalition Against Duck Shooting and, and hunting you know, in Victoria, and not only in Victoria, but also around Australia and other states who still you know, allow a, a duck shooting season. So I appreciate your time to coming on the show. I mean, I, re- I respect you know, that you, you, you're fighting for something that you believe in, as do we as hunters and shooters. And, um, you know, I wish you all the best in, in, in the future. And uh, hopefully, I mean, I know we didn't, probably don't see eye to eye on some of these things. And, you know, but I think we can agree that everyone's human here. And obviously, the last thing we want to do is someone to get injured. So same for hunters and shooters, you know, uh, rescue and protest safely. And hunters and shooters should, you know, uh, do their very best, obviously, to maintain a, a safe environment for not only themselves, but the people around them as well. So I appreciate you coming on the show, Laurie, and uh, sharing you know, your thoughts with me today, and uh, it's always appreciated. I know it's not easy coming on the show when sometimes people are, are pro-hunting and shooting, but I'm glad you've given, you know, not only myself and uh, my show the respect to come on and have a chat to us about duck shooting today. So thank you very much for coming on. Okay, thank you, Jason. You've just been educated, and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.